Hello everyone, this is Pastor Joseph, and you're about to hear the very first podcast from the very first service of Highway Church, where I share who we are, why we're here, and what we see. Enjoy. Father, we love you so much. We're here this morning because of your goodness in our lives, and we don't want to take that for granted. Father, you have led us and guided us. Uh, Sometimes, Father, even uh, in spite of circumstances or situations that seem set against us, that tried to stop us in our tracks, you came in, Father, and lifted us up and moved all of us forward in your plan for our lives. We acknowledge your grace. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. You have quickened us. You have strengthened us. And you have brought us to this day. And we are forever grateful. Be magnified, Lord Jesus, in Highway Church that everyone who who comes in contact with this church in any way, shape, or form, online, in person, would be changed by your love and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to start things off. We just want to share with you a little bit about uh, three things, who we are, why we're here, and what we see, all right? Who, why, and what? Because it's the first day, so I want to share with you the purpose and vision for this new church, how it all came about, okay? So let's start with who we are. You guys know I'm Pastor Joseph, and uh, I'm the founder of Highway Church. Hot dog. Yeah. And you met my wife, Jennifer. She was leading a worship this morning, and she co-pastors with me. And we have four children that have been uh, an unspeakable blessing to our lives. And they have been so gracious uh, with us and helping us and serving uh, the church and getting things ready, and we're very grateful for them. Um, Jennifer and I are originally from western Pennsylvania, a Keystone State. I actually grew up 50 miles northwest of Pittsburgh, right near the Ohio line. Anyone know where Youngstown, Ohio is? Why town is my town? All right. Yeah, so I was in Western PA. Jennifer grew up a little further north uh, near Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay, so it was pretty much steel country growing up, black and gold. We won't go there. So um, anyway, even though we grew up in the same part of Western PA, we actually never met uh, until our late teen years in Northwest Ohio at a university up there near Toledo, Ohio. And we met back in, it was either the spring of 89, uh, excuse me, uh, the fall of 89 or the spring semester of 90. And we met, and I actually came to know the Lord in the spring of 1989. Now, uh, Jennifer came to know the Lord at a very early age. She came to know the Lord at the age of 12, the mighty age of 12. And um, she grew up in a family that uh, revered the Word of God, that read the Word of God, that learned the Word of God in a church that that believed in the Word of God. And she grew up in church, serving the Lord, and that's something that's always been a natural part of who she is. I, on the other hand, did not have that experience. Um, And I didn't come to know the Lord till I was 19 years old, almost 20, right before my 20th birthday. And uh, when he got a hold of my heart, it absolutely changed everything. And that was in the spring of 89, and then I met Jennifer not too long after that. And serving the Lord has always been a natural part of our relationship because who He is and what He's done for us is paramount in our lives. And so it was about 
Uh, five, four to five years after we met, we got married in 1994, in December of 94. And actually, we were in different parts of the country for about a year and a half prior to that. I was living in Italy. I was active duty Navy at the time. I was stationed in Italy. She was in Florida, and our wedding was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Try and work that one out. Hey, there are no, no such thing as a long distance relationship when you love somebody, right? You could be on opposite sides of the world, but your hearts are in the same place all the time. So, uh, so we came, we met we in, in western Pennsylvania and had our wedding, had a wonderful time. We went to the Pocono Mountains, if anyone's wondering. Everyone had been to the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. We went there for our honeymoon, and then we went back to Italy. How fun is that? We spent our first year of marriage together in Naples, Italy, overlooking the Tyrrhenian Sea on a hill in Montrichello. Yeah, it was really fun. So we had a great time there, and we plugged into a church over there. I was an active-duty military church for American military, gospel church. Jennifer played piano with a gospel choir there. And then in late uh, 95, I got orders from my detailer saying, you are to report to Newport, Rhode Island. I did not know where that was. No kidding. I said, Newport, Rhode Island, where is that? And a friend of mine who, who was actually stationed over there with me was from Newport. And he said, oh, there's, it's the home of Dunkin' Donuts, is what he told me. Or it's where Dunkin', there's lots of double Ds there. So I was happy about that. But I didn't want to come here. Neither, we had different plans because we didn't know the area. We actually wanted to go to Tennessee and settle in the Nashville area. And that's what we had talked with our detailer about, getting orders to Tennessee, finishing up our active duty service, and then getting involved in the music industry in Nashville. But we knew enough of this. My continued prayer since way back to before I knew the Lord was, God, your will be done in my life, regardless of what the circumstances may look at. So I just sought the Lord with those orders in my hand. I remember coming back from a, tra a trip uh, and getting those orders out of my box and reading them saying, what? This is not what I, I, I asked for. And then I said, God, your will be done. So lo and behold, December of 95, we arrived in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, via New York. And then we uh, made our way to Newport. And it was a record-breaking winter that year, over 100 inches of snow. So we stayed in a hotel as our stuff was being shipped back from overseas. And we did something we hadn't done in a while. We actually watched TV because in, in Italy, we didn't have any TV channels. So we got in, we turned the TV on. Like, well, look at this thing. And um, Fred, Frederick Casey Price came on, and it was December of 95, and I remember his, his, the word he ministered to me just lit up my heart, because when I began reading the Bible, I, I read the book of John, and Jesus just captured my heart. And he was talking about Jesus, and I, and I said, Jennifer, we have to find a church that teaches Jesus, that doesn't add anything to him or take anything away from him. So we prayed, and the Lord led us to Portsmouth, to uh, one of the churches that Pastor Sam Smith uh, was pastoring at the time. And w from the moment we met him back in late 95, early 96, there was an immediate connection between his heart and our heart. And it was by the Spirit of the Lord. And we felt over the years that the vision the Lord had put in his heart was also in our heart. And lo and behold, but we still weren't planning on staying, even though I, <laughs> we So as time went on, we were, we were trying to get to Nashville, right? And, uh, but as we sought the Lord through 96, and full-time ministry just started getting really strong in us. And I thought, well, that may be after we moved to Nashville, maybe after. But 96 went by, 97, it just got so strong I couldn't stand it anymore. So in summer of 98, I went to talk to my pastor, Pastor Sam, 
And I told him what was in my heart, and he spoke to me. I remember that day, it was he and I sitting in his office in the summer of 98. I was still active duty Navy. I shared what was in my heart, and he spoke to me by the Spirit of the Lord very strongly about the calling on my life. And we prayed together. And um, lo and behold, in November of 1998, I was hired at Pastor Sam's church as the media director. How about that? (laughs) I was hired as the media director. Uh, I didn't care what I did. I just wanted to get going. And that lasted for about six weeks, maybe eight. And then Jennifer and I became the youth pastors uh, in the beginning of 99. And we did that for about eight and a half years as youth pastors and other things. Jennifer led worship. This was a children's ministry director for five years. Uh, We did special events and productions and all kinds of stuff. And then in 2007, I became the executive pastor of uh, Pastor Sam's church and um, did that for almost six years. And then last year, in 2013, God did something amazing, which in some ways we saw coming and in some ways we didn't. But God, through his uh, sovereignty and and grace, by his spirit, separated Jennifer and I unto the calling that's upon our lives. And here we are today. So that's a real brief summary of who we are. And now let's get into why we're here, all right? Why we're here. If anyone asks you, well, what's Highway Church all about? Or what's the purpose of Highway Church? It's way simple. I like simple. To lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. Real simple. Nothing more, nothing less. Why are we here? Why has this church began to lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ? And it's important, the emphasis is on relationship, not religion. They are opposed to each other on opposite sides of the spectrum, okay? To lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ, not religion. We actually want nothing to do with religion. It doesn't help anybody, okay? Compare it to a relationship with Jesus, no comparison, all right? In fact, it's important that you know, that we know, that Jesus never intended, never came from heaven to set up and establish a religion. It wasn't even in his radar. Never was it in the heart of God to establish a religion on earth. It was relationship. Very important to understand that. Give you one example from the Word of God. How many tribes of Israel were there in the Old Testament? Twelve, right? Twelve. Now, what tribe was responsible for the, the duties of the priesthood? The Levites, right? The tribe of Levi, the Levitical priesthood, the book of Leviticus, right? They were responsible for all the priestly duties. No one else could do them. And out of the tribe of Levi, only one, the high priest, could go into the very presence of God and only one time per year. Now, man's religious mind would look at that and say, surely the Messiah is going to come from the tribe of Levi, right? Because that's where all the priests come from. What tribe did he come from? Judah. What does Judah mean? Praise. Why did Jesus, the Messiah, come from the tribe of praise instead of the tribe of priests? Because religion requires priests, but relationship requires praise. You can't express love through religion. Love is expressed through relationship. When you try and love somebody through religion, it's like trying to hug them through jail bars. There's these hard, cold things in the way, and you can't feel their pulse. 
right? This hard thing's in the way, and it's between you and them. And that's what religion is like. It's this hard, cold thing that has trapped so many people. And we want to break those bars starting today. All right? It's relationship. Love is expressed through relationship, not religion. And that's why Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. It's always been the heart of God to have a relationship with us. From the very first man and woman that he made, he walked with them and talked to them. There was no law. Right? No sacraments, no priesthood, just God and his man walking in the cool of the day. And that's what he wants with you now. He just wants to walk with you. You say, but wait a minute, I've done so many things wrong. I've made so many mistakes. Guess what? God doesn't care. You know why? Because the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, was shed to wash you clean and set you free from every mistake and sin that you've made. By the grace of God, you've become his very own sons and daughters. And that will never change. You're never any less of a son or a daughter. That blood of Jesus Christ has given us a security that we know no matter what might be going on in our law, what mistakes we may have made, we can, we're in his presence and we can come before him boldly without reservation, without fear, knowing that he's our father. Okay? All right. So it's, as, as this last year or so is going on, one thing that became very clear to me that everything, the, the culmination of what the Lord has done in my life and Jennifer's is to awaken the reality of relationship in the heart of man. To awaken this heart of God. The, the, the reality that God wants to have a relationship with you. That God came to know you. That you might know Him in a very real way. In fact, Jesus, in John chapter 17, I think it's verse 3, He said, now this is eternal life. And you think, He must say, what, what, fill in the blanks. This is eternal life. Having your sins forgiven and going to heaven. No. He said, this is eternal life in John 17. Again, he's not religious, so the religious mind would fill in the blanks with heaven, forgiveness of sins, angels with harps, sacraments, to-do lists. No, this is eternal life, that they might know you. John 17, I believe it's verse 3. And that word know is an idiom referring to a husband-wife relationship. That they might know you as a husband knows a wife. What's he talking about? Perfect unity. How can someone like me who's failed and made mistakes be become perfectly one with God through the blood of Jesus Christ? See, religion has caused people to look at their own faults and, and go through this to-do list of self-examination. And, and, we, and, 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 you know, we make some progress, but then it gets kind of difficult. We make a mistake, and we're wondering, where are we with God? And, and maybe God won't do this in my life now, won't do that. And that's all religion. God has justified us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's covered every sin that we've ever committed or will ever commit. That's not a license to sin. That's the reality of what He's done through His Son, Jesus Christ. And when we realize that great love, it, it makes sin powerless in our lives. It, sin loses its temptation. See, you can't defeat thin, sin through religious to-dos. It becomes a, that what you're really trying to do is defeat it in your own strength. And you might try, think you've beat it in this area, but sooner or later it's going to pop up over here. 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the Spirit. We can't do it without Him. All right? So God came to defeat sin. Jesus defeated sin on our behalf. He stripped the enemy of all of his authority, and then the Holy Spirit raised him up from hell and seated him in his right hand, and then we were seated with him through faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, even though I didn't grow up in church, I did grow up very familiar with man's uh, religion. I grew up in a very religious church. Had to go. Get in big trouble if we didn't go. And we had, a, we had certain actions we had to perform every time we walked in. We had certain things we had to say every time we walked in. Had to kneel at certain times, stand at certain times. We had a script that we went through that we would repeat in unison every time. And I was very turned off by it. And I'll tell you why. Because in my home, where I lived as a boy, there was so much fighting and strife. And I'm just sharing with you the, the innocent thoughts of a little boy. And I remember seeing the, the, the rage in my family's face, my parents' faces as they're fighting and thinking in my heart, if we go to church, shouldn't mommy and daddy love each other? I, I didn't know any Bible or anything. I'm just thinking, why are we going? If we go to church, shouldn't there be love and joy in our home? So I remember I was probably about 16 or 17 years old. Late at night, I'm laying on my couch in the living room. Everyone's asleep. It's probably midnight or later. And I'm watching this old movie on TV. It was the original King Kong. Like, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, black and white. Anyone know that movie? And uh, I think it's probably the last time I saw it. But uh, I'm laying there. And you know, when God wants to get a hold of your heart, he, he, he's, I found that the Lord is, is uh, always wanting us to come up higher. He's always trying to open the eyes of our heart a little wider so that we'll realize how much he loves us. But again, that condemnation, that, that, that religious concept gets in the way and keeps us from receiving his love for us. So I'm laying there watching King Kong, and, and I didn't know the Lord, I didn't know the Bible, but I look back now and as God speaking in my heart, there's this scene, okay, where the explorers are on this remote island, and there's these natives on this island worshiping this idol. I might not remember it quite right, but it was either a big idol of Kong or it was like right before this big gate where Kong would come in. And they're bowing down and they're chanting. And they're, it was real monotonous, kind of lifeless and robotic. They were going, and it hit my heart. And this is what I thought. That sounds like the church I go to. That was my thought, because we would pray in unison every Sunday that way. No, it's kind of monotonous, robotic, scripted, like didn't seem to have any life in it. So it wasn't long after that that my, one of my closest friends started to change. And I asked him one night, we were out together, what's, what are you, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? And he said, I asked God to show me who Jesus was. He went to the same kind of a church I went to, different one now. And when he said that, it's like someone reached inside and grabbed my heart. And I knew I had to do the same thing. I didn't say anything to him. So what I started doing is taking long walks at night, sometimes an hour, two or three hours. Didn't know the Bible, didn't know Jesus. I'd go for a walk. And i just say, God, I want to know who you are. Not who my church says you are, not who man says you are. I want to know the real you. 
And I was probably about 17, 18 years old when I prayed that. And it was maybe about a year or so later, someone put my first Bible uh, in my hands. And I started reading in the book of John, and that changed everything. I actually read the real words of the real Jesus. Not man's religious Jesus, but the real words of the real Jesus. And I was excited, and I got kind of mad. I said, why didn't someone tell me that he said these things? I found there were things that the real Jesus said that were in stark contrast to what my church had told me. They were in stark contrast to man's religious Jesus. So I just began to eat the Word of God, began to read it and absorb it every chance I got. And I read John 14, 6. He said, I'm the way, the truth. I'm not in church. I'm just in my dorm room alone with my Bible. I would do it sometimes for hours. I said, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life that I just believe in you? And my whole life changes? It sounds too good to be true, but it is. And I found that Jesus didn't lay heavy loads on people. He just asked them to believe. What must I do to do the works of God? What must we do? Only believe. See, and people with religious mindset get kind of frustrated at that. What do you mean only believe? There's, what about the other 25 sacraments, right? And, and they get irritated when they hear someone has a relationship with Jesus, praising him and only believing because they think there's more to it than that. But it's that simple. All right? So let's go back. Let's get into the end. Let's open up our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. Actually, I'm going to read it out of the New King James. I've got King James here. Isaiah chapter 35. Now, my favorite books to this day are the first five books of the New Testament. Who can tell me what they are? Matthew. Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Yeah. The first four books we call the four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why do we call them the Gospels? Because they give us the clearest picture in the Scriptures of Jesus Himself, right? You can know the will of God clearly by simply looking at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very important. The best place in the Bible to see the unadulterated, clear will of God. Now, did you know there's a fifth gospel? Actually, in the Old Testament, Isaiah is sometimes referred to as the fifth gospel. Anyone know why? Yeah, it tells so much about Jesus. I mean, Isaiah, we're talking 600-some years before Jesus came to earth, and Isaiah prophetically, through the Holy Spirit, describes Jesus to a T, down to his Air Jordans. I mean, it's amazing, right? I mean, he tells what Jesus would do, what he would go through, what he would accomplish. So in Isaiah chapter 35, the fifth gospel, I'm going to read it to you. As this is the scriptures that God gave me for Highway Church. All right? The name. This is where the name comes from. Would you like to know where the name came from, comes from? We're going to get to it right here. Ready? Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the wasteland, or the dry land, shall be glad... And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They, this is New England, through this church, they shall see the glory 
of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, you loser, you've failed God so many times. How dare you come to church? No. Say to those who are fearful, are fearful, be strong. That's our God talking. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Did God come and save us? Oh, yeah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Highway church. <laughs> the, the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Highway church. The lame shall leap like a deer. Highway church. The tongue of the dumb sing. Highway church. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool. That doesn't seem possible, and in the natural it isn't. But that pool is the Holy Spirit, and it's coming to New England. He's coming. Excuse me. He's coming to New England. He's already here, and he's doing a new work right here in this place. And the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals, Dragons, the King James says. It's talking about spirits of darkness, right? Right where the spirits of darkness are, there shall be grass. What's that? Vibrant growing things. That's why our logo is green, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I now shall not lie. He, he leads me beside uh, still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Growth. Relationship with him brings about growth in us. That's why Highway Church is green, okay? So in the midst of these jackals, these spirits of darkness, um, there shall uh, be grass. There shall be green growth, vibrant with reeds and rushes. And verse 8, here's where the name come from. And a highway shall be there. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. A highway is a structure. How many people have been on a highway? Children, have you ever been on a highway? Yeah, we drove down to Florida in August. We were on a highway for a long time. It was fun. A highway is a structure that enables us to get to from here to Florida, right? It's a structure that enable us, enables us to get from where we are to where we long to be. Highway church, okay? Highway church. Now, let's close it up. That's who we are. That's why we're here. And this is what we see. So you know the purpose of Highway Church is to lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Here's our vision. We see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God. John 17, 3. And moving forward in His destiny for their lives. That's our vision. We see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God and moving forward in His destiny for their lives. Moving forward. With God and relationship, it's always forward. With religion, you get stuck. You go in circles and you go backward. Moving forward. Past is behind us. Bright future ahead of us. All right? God, you're so good. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for bringing us to this day.
We thank you for showing yourself to us in a very real way. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. We know that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, but you are here, living strong in us. We say, Holy Spirit, live giant in us. Have your way in us. Lead and guide and direct. We look to you for your wisdom, your strength, and your provision. And we acknowledge publicly that we're starting here in a rented theater. But we thank you, Lord God, for a campus, for acres and acres of land, and all the buildings, supplies, equipment, people, staff, and resources that we need to transform this area, New England and beyond, for your glory. We thank you for it. And Father, I pray that by your Spirit, you would speak to hearts of people all throughout this area. We thank you for bringing them in from the north, from the south, from the east and the west. And we thank you for this strategic location, right where 140 and 24 and 44, they all meet for the access to this place. We are looking forward to all that you're about to do starting this day. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Trust Him with your daily decisions and let His light lead the way. Our prayer for you is that you continually move forward in all that Christ has for you and become all that He made you to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.